so I'm going to call the meeting to order. And uh, let's see, has everybody had an opportunity to read through the minutes? Yes. Are there any corrections, discussion? Can I get a motion to approve? Second. All in favor say aye. 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 Any nays? Okay. Um, I'm abstaining since I wasn't here last time. And I don't well, really know what happened. I, you know, I think that happens periodically, but I think you can go ahead and squeak through an aye unless, unless you just want to. Do you want to abstain? You can abstain. Okay, yeah. we've got one abstention. Yeah, you, you got the votes. Okay, you remind me to call for abstention. Okay. Um, we have a public comment period. Is there anybody from the public that would like to discuss anything that is not on the agenda, correct? Is that correct? Right. You are only public member, so you're just here to watch, okay? <laughs> okay. Uh, next, we have the Consolidated Annual Performance and Evaluation Report, CAPER, and update on Iowa City projects and program. One of the staff going to lead us through it. We're going to review this, and do we? Do you require any action on this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. To approve it? Yep. For submission to the council? To This one goes directly to HUD. Okay. Um, last year we did a memo. This year we did a few slides to put together to talk about the report. I know we have kind of a new group, so if you have questions as we go along, feel free to interrupt me or we can take questions at the end too. So the CAPER is our end of year report. This is the document that tells HUD what we've done in our last fiscal year. This reports on our community development block grant funds and our home investment partnership program funds. Uh, it's an assessment of the progress we've made on our consolidated plan goals. So once you've been through a few cycles, things will start to make more sense. Basically, our annual action plan says, what are we going to do in the year? And then the CAPER says, what did we accomplish in the last year? Um, and this is due to HUD within 90 days of the end of our fiscal year. So this is due each year at the end of September. Some things to know, the main focus of this plan is our federally funded activities. So HUD wants to know the impact of the federal dollars. We do get to talk about our local programs and other local projects going on in some of the narrative fields, but the main thing they wanna know is how are we using those federal funds and what have we accomplished with those. Um, we send this report to HUD through a database called IDIS. So there are some fields that are required that we don't have the flexibility to edit. Um, to try to make it more user-friendly, we've labeled those tables in the CAPER report. The ones that are HUD-required are called IDIS tables. Uh, the ones that we've created on our own are called city tables, and we've made those to try to make it a little more user-friendly. Some of the highlights in the last year, the city met our CDBG timeliness goal in May. Um, we talk about this a lot with the commission because we're always worried about projects meeting <clears throat> their spending deadlines so we can reach our timeliness goals with HUD. So we were able to do that, which was good. We were able to complete two neighborhood improvement projects. Um, those experienced delays due to COVID and the pandemic and also derecho, I think was a factor there. So we were glad to wrap those up. Those two activities were associated with our previous consolidated plan. So over time, we're chipping away at those last few projects and closing those out. 
We completed 21 CDBG CV activities. Those were uh, CDBG CV was additional one-time funding from HUD to prepare, prevent, and respond to coronavirus. We did some additional public outreach opportunities. Uh, city staff went out to places like the food pantries and we received feedback on, it was a sticker survey and we asked people what the most important housing needs were to them. So we collected some information and got to interact with the public a bit there. Um, and we know from the data that the projects and the activities that are being undertaken are reaching beneficiaries that are non-white, people who are below 30% AMI, and people with Hispanic or Latino ethnicity, so that's great. And we also, if you remember, uh, FY22, through the mid-year round, we funded the Green State Partnership Program, which was a home ownership down payment assistance program, so the first home was sold through that in FY22. Has there been just one down payment so far? Or yep. two? One? One two. so far. Well, one. in FY22. Yeah, we had a second one recently, so the second one will be reported in the next caper. Okay. But two total. Um, some of the challenges in FY22, <clears throat> a lot of these carried over from the previous fiscal year, things from the pandemic. Um, we've received a lot of new funding sources. We just talked about Home ARP as the commission. So that's been, I think that was $1.8 million of additional funding that we didn't have previously. So planning for some of those things. Rising cost of housing, that makes it a challenge for nonprofit agencies to acquire um, housing for rental activities. Um, lack of bids for construction and rehab projects, that's been a big one. I think you've heard some of that from um, agencies that have come in and reported supply chain volatility that has made um, delays on projects a little difficult. Strain on local agencies, people are taking on more projects, which we appreciate, but um, it also strains their staff and their capacity. We're seeing a lot larger funding requests, which sometimes adds to the complexity like we've talked about with the 501 project or some of the things that we'll have to plan for for the DVIP project that was just funded for FY23. Rising mortgage rates, um, outcomes related to the current city steps plan are delayed as we catch up on that backlog I mentioned, like the two parks projects that we finished up recently. CDBG and home spending, I did print these tables out because I know they're not very legible on this slide. So for FY22, we spent a little over $700,000 of CDBG. For our home investment partnership program funds, we spent just under $200,000. And then for our CDBG CV, the COVID-related funds, we spent about $67,000. And that does not include the additional funds that we received from the state. Those are the CV funds directly from HUD. Impact from federally funded projects. Um, I guess this slide shows you the impact of all of the programs and projects undertaken by our partners. The vast majority of these are completed by some of our subrecipients, um, people that you've seen present or ask for funds. Um, over 5,000 people assisted through the completion of our neighborhood improvement projects. Those are undertaken by our parks and recreation staff, typically. Over 3,000 people were assisted through CDBG public services activities. That's that small portion of our aid to agencies funding that we can fund with um, the CDBG dollars. So 67% of those beneficiaries were people experiencing homelessness. Uh, an additional 1,500 people assisted through CDBG CV. That was um, a project developed by Shelter House to support coordinated entry. The city had 17 homeowner rehab projects completed. 
the housing fellowship completed a rental rehab project and they were able to assist four households through that. Um, Erica mentioned the first home sold through the Green State program and that had, I think, good reviews, right? People were pretty happy about that. Um, 20 small businesses were assisted through the CDBG-CV program that was undertaken by ECOG to combat financial impact of COVID-19. 81% of the total businesses assisted through the program were women or people of color. About 76% of beneficiaries served through the federal funding in FY22 were below 30% AMI. Some things on the horizon, the 501 project is up and running now, so that will be in our FY23 caper. The HVAC improvement project, um, Shelter House came and presented to HCDC about that recently, so that should be on track to be completed this year after some delays. And then we'll have some bigger projects that were just funded through FY23, like the shelter construction. Um, the home ARP activities are on the horizon, and then we'll also see the conclusion of the CDBG CV grant, so those are winding down. So our city administered projects, um, our South <coughs> District program, we've acquired um, six properties or three duplexes to rehab and sell um, as owner occupied or as, yeah, for home ownership. Um, we put at least 35,000 in city rehab funds and we do up to 25,000 in down payment assistance for the purchase. We've sold four of those and we have two available right now. If you know anyone interested, they should apply to the city. Um, the price range is about 150,000 without those um, subsidies. Um, so our Green State partnership, we mentioned we have two sold, so that's ongoing. Um, we're getting referrals from Green State and then we qualify them and we make sure they're eligible for the program. Um, our neighborhood improvement program, we have um, currently, so this is a $75,000 annual set aside and we partner with our parks department typically to expend those funds. Right now we're doing accessibility projects, so like curb ramp improvements so that uh, members of our community can access the parks. Um, the current project is at Weatherby. Um, CDBG and Home Rehab, we do an owner-occupied rehab program that our staff administers. We do things like emergency repairs, um, exterior repair, accessibility. We can do projects in mobile homes. Um, and as Brianna mentioned, we did 17 of those projects last year, and that's just an ongoing program that we offer every year. Um, we have funding for that every year. And then our economic development, um, we are no longer doing small business loans right now through our department because of staff capacity, but we are doing um, grants for um, technical assistance for small businesses. So what that looks like, um, we have a, an agreement with four C's and they're assisting um, childcare, in-home childcare providers, um, helping them start their businesses. So we give them a grant to assist um, those <coughs> small businesses. And so yeah, that's our, that's our kind of our city administered programs. Excuse me, what type, what type of property um, does the city still have for sale? Property for sale? Well, yeah, um, the South District ones? Yes. Yeah, they're, um, so they're duplexes um, that have been rehabbed, so we kind of, we convert them to condos um, and sell them. Okay, so each side yes. is, is the price that you were talking about. Yes, and that's, so 
The 150,000, I think one's 147 and one's maybe 155 right now. Um, that includes the 35,000 that the city put in for rehab that's forgiven. So you don't have to, that's not, if you live there for 10 years, you wouldn't have to repay that. And then the, um, applicants based on our underwriting would be eligible up to 25,000 in home down payment assistance. So your loan is gonna be, you know, this amount minus 60,000 potentially. So it's pretty affordable. Okay, thank you. Um, is there more? I think just a couple. Okay, I just have a couple questions that I can ask at the end. <clears throat> <clears throat> um, I don't have to read you all these numbers, but this slide just shows the local impact of some of the other things that we've funded outside of our CDBG and home funds. Um, we've talked about aid to agencies. A small portion of that is CDBG, um, but the city does invest quite a bit of money in the aid to agencies program. Uh, we also invest money in the GRIP, General Rehabilitation and Improvement Program. They were able to assist five homeowners in FY22. Um, the city partners with community for a security deposit program. Uh, in FY22, they were able to assist 212 households. There's some additional funding that goes towards projects. Um, Center for Worker Justice, they did a project in FY22 to help provide bilingual language assistance so people could fill out applications for housing assistance and those kind of things. Uh, weatherization of Forest View mobile homes. Healthy Homes um, is a program to provide improvements in indoor air quality, and they were able to assist four households in the last fiscal year. And then um, Iowa City invests $500,000 in the Affordable Housing Fund, which is administered by the Housing Trust Fund of Johnson County. Is there anything you want to add about those local programs? I don't think so. Well, you, that was one of the comments I had that I um, I like seeing all the, what I'm gonna call partnerships with nonprofits um, that I think especially when um, city staff can't, you know, um, take on more projects themselves, it's great to see the city invest in the nonprofits um, to do that work for them. So that was good. I liked reading all of those. That kind of goes into this slide too, a huge portion of the all of our CDBG CV projects were undertaken by um, nonprofits. So on this slide, this shows you the portion of funds we received from the Iowa Economic Development Authority. They were CDBG CV funds, but we received it from the state rather than HUD. Um, so the organizations listed on here, Four Cs, Community, Dream City, DVIP, Iowa Legal Aid, Shelter House, Table to Table, and United Action for Youth. Um, those were the agencies that made the accomplishments on the slide possible. Um, Shelter House also administered a um, housing assistance program with the CV money. So next steps in this process, um, we're asking for HCDC's approval to submit the plan to HUD. If there's changes or things you wanna make, we can certainly do that, or if you have comments to make. We submit the plan to HUD. HUD has 45 days to review. Um, they would approve the plan and then we We'll be starting soon again already, the process for FY24. So we'll be asking for our applications for that towards the end of December. So that's about it. Um, I had one, I had a couple things. Um, I had a question about the down payment program with Green State. But do the higher interest rates uh, making it more difficult or will it make it more difficult to meet that goal of, of I can't remember how many houses down payment pro, we were going to fund. Um, I, so I think we were going to do seven or eight. I, I don't, I haven't heard that being a, a barrier yet. Um, we talked to our um, 
partner lenders quite a bit. And so if, I don't know, if something comes up, we could probably revise our program parameters a little bit. But um, so far, I don't think that has been a barrier. Okay. And um, it was on page 31. It's a, it's a little thing. It's more of a spelling thing. But I, am, I think in the third paragraph, you're at towards the second to last uh, sentence you're talking about community crisis centers mobile crisis outreach program and community um, is spelled wrong in that um, to it needs capital U but I also had a question about that I know that the city gave them more than 178,000 or do we just are you just reporting on CDBG related money because I know that they they got a higher investment in the mobile crisis program than 178 through the ARPA money, you mean? Well, I'm not sure. See, sometimes there's pots that are kind of combined. So that's my question is, does the 178 just, does it account for part of the funding that went into that program or? I think this excludes the ARPA money. So the 178, I believe, is from the affordable housing fund. Okay. Um, so that's what that would inco okay. incorporate. And I don't, I think maybe the ARPA money would be on, um, the next caper if we if we include that yeah it could be looking back at the funds that were spent versus the funds that have been allocated okay and the only other question I had was just more of a general one um, I noticed that uh, in the there were t targets for um, number of services provided in some grants to agencies and not all agencies met those numbers does that matter to us or or not it depends. There was one project, um, Neighborhood Centers of Johnson County. I tried to put a footnote under the table, but like they have two activities that they're completing. In FY22, they completed the Broadway portion of the activities, so we reported those beneficiaries. And then in FY23, the Pheasant Ridge project will be done, and that will contribute to their total beneficiaries. I think this was more in the aid to agencies rather than the public facilities. Like, uh, And I think the one that I noted was 4Cs. Uh, missed the mark by quite a bit in terms of the services provided they just I just wondered if that's a problem or or not um, that do you think that was for economic development um, I feel like they exceeded their accomplishments so I'm trying to figure out where that would be I didn't you know what I didn't turn it over because it was just more of a general question and I was curious about that too yeah because I'm, I'm certainly not you know, being critical or anything, it's more informational on my part because I do understand how that happens. Um, <laughs> lots of factors can affect uh, the numbers served. Where is, where is that in here? You know, I didn't mark it, okay. Carol, because I, you know, I wasn't going to actually, you know, I didn't really mean to call out okay. anybody, and, and that's not my oh, okay. point well, either. No, it's a good question for yeah. information. I actually do have an answer for that now that I know what is going okay. on. So part of that CV project was back-to-school um, tutoring and assistance for kids at home during the pandemic. It was virtual learning support, and I don't know if you remember at one point, this project spanned, I think, more than one fiscal year, but at one point they were planning for kids to be at home long-term, and then there was an order from the governor at one point that said, everyone go back to school kind of thing. So things that they couldn't plan for on the front end, they, I think, anticipated for people to be at home a lot longer than they were. Okay, that's perfect, perfect. Okay, this is just a tiny itty bitty nitpicky thing, but since we're doing typos, on page one, 
Um, the second line from the bottom, the word in appears twice in a row. Thank you. You're welcome. They wanted you to know it's really in, in Iowa City. <laughs> really. Not a typo. Not like on the edge, like in, in. In, in, in. That's a long report. I had right? just a clarification question. Um, on page four, that chart that has the expected strategic plan, actual strate strategic plan, expected program year, actual program year, can you just explain to me what those mean? Just explain it, is that what you said? Yeah. yeah, sure. This table is really confusing. I wish I could make it um, easier to read. So basically, when we do our consolidated plan, which is a five-year plan, we have to set goals for the next five years. And every year, we're tracking the incremental progress that we've made towards that. Um, so this table has goals for the five-year plan, and then it is also having us report on the goals that we set for our annual action plan. The caveat with that is that a lot of the activities that we fund for the fiscal year aren't completed within the fiscal year. Like home projects aren't going to be typically completed in that time frame. They may take two years. So okay. um, that makes sense. And we're also, what's not shown in this, we're still completing projects that are contributing to the previous consolidated plan, which don't show up in this table. So that part makes it a little bit confusing too. Okay. Um, and then I just had a question about page, uh, let's see. I think it was page 22, the minority business enterprises and women business enterprises. I was just curious what was going on there because I just noticed um, there were no contracts to minority business enterprises um, or, or women business enterprise. I didn't know if it was just like a lack of people or, or what. It is. That's a good question. So HUD has us track. Um, the amount of, basically, when people are doing uh, public facility projects or housing projects, when they're hiring contractors, they want us to track those things to see if we're marketing effectively to minority-owned businesses or women-owned businesses. So we'll give people the, there's a database for the state where you can search registered contractors for whatever project you're undertaking, but it truly is just a shortage of people who are owning construction companies or female-owned operations. We do have, when we um, put projects out to bid, we typically ask that they will send the bid packet to at least one contractor that meets those requirements, but sometimes there's just not people available, so. Yeah, okay. The city is, I guess, on that note. Would you talk a little bit about the women construction project? Sure. Um, so one of our South District um, South District program that I mentioned previously, um, as we're doing rehab in, um, uh, as we did rehab in one of the properties, we partnered with, um, I believe it was with Kirkwood, and we did like a women's um, confidence in construction course. And so some of the work was done by this um, group of women learning the construction trade. Um, so they, I believe they did like the cabinets in the kitchen and um, learned like floor tiling and that kind of thing. Um, and we also partner with um, a program through um, the high schools where um, students have a, um, a construction course and they like they built a deck on one of our properties. So we're partnering with different groups to learn the trades um, as we rehab these properties. That's really great. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, anybody else have any questions or comments? Yes, I do have a okay. question on the page five on the economic development. Uh, can you just uh, explain it more? 
because I know a lot of uh, small business is struggling. And you mentioned that this is a grant for, for small businesses. Do you want to know more about the projects that were completed or why there's not more accomplishments? No, I just I need to know more about the, about the program. Okay. Would you want to take that one? Well, so we, we previously had a small business loan program um, that um, we've done, like since I've been in with the city, just a handful of, they're called micro-enterprise loans. So they're, um, the owners are low income and it's um, like one or more um, staff or I think it's less than five staff to be considered a micro-enterprise. And um, we recently discontinued that just because we don't have staff to um, work through those programs. And something we could pick up um, in the future as we kind of catch up after all these pandemic uh, grants that we're working on. Mm -hmm. The one that we have going on right now is technical assistance for small businesses. So a nonprofit like 4Cs who is helping for-profit um, small businesses and micro-enterprises, they could get this grant for technical assistance. And so 4Cs is assisting um, in-home childcare providers and helping them get set up with like the DHS requirements um, so they can um, provide that service. Okay, so the, the, the help for the small business for now is not available. Yeah, we, do, we don't have our small business loans currently. Yeah. Um, I think there may be some opportunities with the ARPA money um, outside of this community development program mm -hmm. for small businesses. And we also did um, one of our um, allocations of CDBG CV funds went specifically to um, businesses. And I think that was like 400,000 about that amount. Yeah. Um, but that was in tw 2020. So. Oh. Anybody else? Kyle? No, I think I just was counting wrong. I, you mentioned in, your, in the PowerPoint that there were 20 small businesses assisted, but it looked like there were like 27 on Table E, City Table E. And some of the names don't match up with the uh, what is I don't know what this one is it's like uh, the PR 26 the financial summary report I was just trying I'm just I I mean I honestly I'm just trusting that you guys have all the numbers right I, I was just trying to tie stuff together and it was hard to figure out no it's a good question numbers and numbers because like there's some that I see on each list but others that I don't but then it's also some of them I'm sure have LLCs that are under different names um, but I just recounted and I got 27 and 27 mm -hmm. I just saw the PowerPoint and mentioned 20 so um, there was 27 there's 27 total businesses in the program the program spanned multiple fiscal years so what we're reporting in this is the activities that were completed in FY22 but you're right that there's 27 total okay. so the previous activities would have been reported in last year's caper um, we put it all in one table just to show all 27 businesses but here and, and is that I mean most of these look like they were all related to COVID assistance type issues at least the 27 on the city e table but are on the on, yeah i mean how much how much of that do we usually see in a non covid assistance related year is it really and if we're not going to have that microtransaction or the or the microeconomic loan stuff are we going to see 
how many of those should we expect to be able to assist with the technical FTE and all that stuff? Because there, there's like a cutout, right, of CDBG, like 50000 or something a year that automatically goes to economic development type work. Yeah, set aside. Yep. I mean, but I, I'm just curious. I mean, obviously, it was a lot more than that, mm -hmm. than the 50000 this, because we had all that additional COVID assistance. How many do we generally, how many businesses do we really help as far as that economic development stuff on a, on a regular basis with just that usual 50000 cutout? So for C's, we usually, um, we've done several agreements with them, and I, they serve, I want to say, like, maybe 20. I think um, they were at 27 this last yeah, year. Microenterprises in about a fiscal year span. Okay. Um, the When we were doing microloans, it was, like, one or two a year. It wasn't okay. very many. Um, if we don't spend that money um, within two years, that set aside, it gets rolled into our regular CDBG money, so it's not pooling up for very long. Okay. Um, but I, I don't believe we've been spending the full $50,000 set aside in recent years. Okay. I'm just curious. Okay. Are we ready to uh, approve it then? Can we get a motion to approve? I motion to approve with the Scrivener's errors pointed out. There you go. Being yeah. fixed, but motion to approve with those issues being fixed. Second. I second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Abstentions? Okay. <laughs> it's passed. Um, next is uh, le aid to agencies, legacy aid to agencies, next step, uh, Q&A session. Um, for this item, I guess we would draw your attention to the memo in the packet. So this will be a little bit different than we've done in previous years. We were able to meet with Marianne and Caleb and try to talk through how to handle the Q&A process. Um, with so many agencies being involved, we were trying to decide how to manage that in a way that everyone's time is being used effectively. Um, I think we're up to 21 or 22 legacy aid to agencies now. So what they landed on was trying this year to do a written Q&A process. So today at 5 o'clock, the applications were due um, through United Way. So likely tomorrow we'll be posting and sending out the legacy aid to agency submissions for you to read. Um, and in the memo, there's a timeline of kind of what we're looking for. Um, we were proposing three weeks for HCDC to review the submissions, and then we would ask if there are questions to submit written questions to staff by October 6th. So then staff will send those written questions to the agencies and the agencies will respond in writing and we'll get you that information. So then at the October meeting, which is October 20th, we'll have somewhat of a Q&A session where you're um, more discussing the Q&A than what we've done in the past. Then we've had agencies come up and we've asked some questions in person. This time we're proposing to do it in writing and just have the discussion at the October meeting. Does anyone have questions about that part so far? So the agencies will still be here, but they don't have to make any formal presentation. I, I actually like that, and I think the agencies appreciate that too. So, And I think it's actually better for us to, to submit written questions um, because then they'll get responded to. Because there have been a couple of times, not in the <coughs> legacy aid to agencies, but a couple of times in the smaller processes where somebody hasn't been present, so I haven't been able to ask questions that I want to ask so um, I, I think that sounds good 
Okay. I have a few other notes to mention, and then I have a question for you. Um, we just wanted to throw out a few things just as we're entering this process. When we're asking questions um, for the submissions, we wanted to make sure that they're related to the submission and not anything out of left field. I don't think that will be an issue, but um, I guess part of the reason for that is just hoping that the amount of questions is like a reasonable number. Since we're asking people to respond in writing, we didn't want to um, have too many questions. Um, just making sure that commissioners at this point aren't having private discussions with agencies so that everyone has the same information to consider during the funding process. Um, and then just taking the time to review the applications thoroughly before asking questions. Um, in my follow-up email tomorrow, I will send out a question, I guess, if you want the materials in writing printed out, I will make sure to get you the applications that way if it's easier to read. I'm happy to do that. Um, so our question for you is, let's say we're following this timeline, you send me your questions, we send the question to the agency, what, how do we want to handle it if the agencies do not respond in time, if they don't respond by the deadline that is given? Hmm. <laughs> <clears throat> That's a good question. I think we need to bring them here and then ask them the question when they are here. Invite them in. Yes. I guess I come from the old school of requesting funds. Um, I don't understand why somebody wouldn't, answer, wouldn't respond in time or show up for um, a question and answer period. I, I don't understand that. Well, I kind of agree with you. I'd like to think that everybody's going to answer it, but we can't really, um, <clears throat> since it's not part of the official rules about fund the funding, that the, the rules are you get your application in by 5 o'clock today, actually, right? Is today mm -hmm. the cutoff? And you get to be considered for funds. There's not a caveat that says if you don't answer questions, you won't be considered. So, uh, you know, I, I think that's where we're in the problem lies. Um, I think that maybe we should have a little bit of uh, like a, a, a grace period so that staff can review if all the questions have not been answered um, to encourage the, to send another email out to those agencies and say, please answer these questions. It could affect our decision for funding. That's, that would be my, what I would say. That makes sense. A grace period and just being transparent about what happens if yeah. that passes. And it may not be an issue either, but we wanted to ask just to be prepared. I, I, hope, I hope it's not an issue that I can't imagine an agency not asking or answering. And I can keep you posted too at that point if we are having that Problems problem. with the responses? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I guess I have like a process-oriented question. Sure. I understand that we're, we're providing staff with questions for the different agencies based on their applications. What does that look like? Do, do um, each agency get all the questions asked by everybody, just kind of like 1 to 50 or whatever? 
hopefully not 50 but yeah <laughs> i'm really expecting them to be clarification questions it shouldn't be additional right. to the all the information they've already provided on the application but maybe something in the application is unclear and you don't understand what their what what the information is saying so okay I think that's an important point. It should be pertinent to um, questions on the application. And that has, to be perfectly honest, has sprung up a few times in HEDC where we've been asked questions totally out of, you know, uh, left park, like your volunteer levels are going down. <laughs> you know? well, sorry, that wasn't a question in the application, you know, um, and it shouldn't be a, something that's considered for funding at the same time either. So I would hope that staff will review the questions and if you think one is inappropriate then you will have a, con a either a conversation or just not not included in in the questions that are sent to the agency so if there are duplicate questions too we can weed those kind of things out to save everybody time yep i think so so um what what meeting can you give us just a um overview on the timeline I see this here in terms of when this commission, is it going to be October or November that we'll be reviewing the applications and making recommendations? Um, this process is a little bit longer than CDBG Home. So in general, tentative, it would be you'll get this applications tomorrow. You'll start reviewing them. We'll do this Q&A process up until the October meeting. At the October meeting, you're really just talking about the questions and answers submitted. Um, and then after that, ideally, you would start to score. We have two meetings to, to talk about funding recommendations. So if for some reason we get to the end of this question and answer session and you feel like, I need more information, we could go back and ask agencies more questions. But um, we were thinking, ideally, maybe two meetings to talk about funding recommendations and scoring would be ideal. So that's ideal. November and January? Um, let me see. So you would score between October and November. Um, ideally, we would compile all the scores and everything for you to have at your November meeting to start those discussions. And we don't have a meeting in December, is that right? We don't, that's right. So there is my concern. Um, the, uh, how many agents, are, I know we approved three new agencies. Are, have they been allowed, are they uh, eligible for funding of, of this? So I, the. There's the problem. I think that we should have some idea of the month. I thought we were going to present a budget um, item to city council for city council to fund. Are we not doing that? The budgeting process is in, the budget gets approved in March. We're like, um, staff are starting, like my budget is starting in November, October, November. Um, Okay, see, the reason I say that is because I know I always went to a budget workshop the first Saturday of January. Right. Um, so there's still time, though, to make some uh, recommendation for funding, correct? Yeah, so I think the budget workshop is kind of like council's kickoff to okay. working on the budget, but okay. staff will be working on it this fall. Okay, as long as we have time um, to, because that's, I'm correct in my assumption, right, that we are going to, we have new agencies. We're not going to slice the pie in more numbers, but actually we will probably um, request council to give us an increased amount of money to fund agencies, correct? I mean, that's that's up to the commission. There's There's been discussion of that at previous meetings, but that would be. Yeah. 
Well, I know when I voted to approve additional agencies, I, I said it was only with that understanding is that we would get additional funding. Um, otherwise, I don't even think we ought to have a process for new agencies to come into late. It's just the process isn't working if we aren't going to get additional money. I'm just I'm not going back down that rabbit hole um, where we're cutting agency funding because we have more agencies that need to be funded. So that's part of the wider discussion that I'd, I'm going to say it again. I'd like to see us have in terms of how uh, how the whole funding process is happening and does it need to be reviewed and revised so because um, it's just not working but I think the reality is we are gonna we're gonna have 22 legacy agencies that we are, we're gonna have to make decisions on whether we believe we're going to get that additional amount from council or not yeah that's right I mean when we had that discussion I mean I, I voted against bringing the end and, and even at that point i mean the fact of the matter was they were approved and there was never a guarantee that 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 pot wasn't going to get split up more ways with smaller pieces for everybody and that was a real concern at the time when you know previous members of this council were or the commission were here and i mean am i wrong i mean i'm we're going to make decisions based on what the existing amount is for people to request money we we can approve them for hire but if we don't get approval from council for hire then those funds aren't going to exist so what Correct. what it'll force us into is making decisions about who's not going to get money and who's going to get cuts yeah. and um and then what'll happen is the agencies will go to city council and city council will make decisions one by one this has happened over and over and over again so I mean, I really think that we have to make sure that council knows that we want a different process. And this is what I have been asking for since I've been on this for a year, is to take a look at this entire process. Because if we're not going to get additional money, let's not bother to even entertain any more agencies who might want to become legacy agencies. Why do it? And when doesn't a legacy agency services become obsolete for funding? That's another question that I have. Uh, and the minimum funding that's that's given is it necessary is it um, should that be reviewed also the whole thing needs to be reviewed um, and it's, it you know it's it's frustrating to me really frustrating um, so anyway <clears throat> I don't have a problem with the timeline but I do have a problem if we're going to expect to slice that pie um, into more pieces the same than same size of funding into more pieces I have a real problem with that. Okay. Any other questions on number five, the legacy agency's next steps? Staff and commission updates. Um, let's see, a couple of things here. Um, you probably saw in your packet, council did approve the change to the bylaws. So that is official now. Um, the next meeting will be October 20th. Like we said, that will be the Q&A review of the written responses. Normally, we would also do a unsuccessful and delayed projects checkpoint, but everybody's on track right now, so we shouldn't have an update for that. Um, and just keeping an eye out for my emails, I guess, with the legacy process starting up, you'll be seeing those um, submissions available for review tomorrow because they were due at five o'clock today so i'll try to get those to you as soon as i can any other updates 
think so. That's all. And if they miss the 5 p.m. deadline, they're done. Yeah. They I nervously checked and everyone was applying. Every so agency fine. knows that. <laughs> all, you got some from all 22? I checked. I made sure everyone had an application started, so. Okay. Kyle, it's, it would be very unusual. I, I, I didn't realize today was a cutoff and made me glad I'm not working anymore. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, it does feel good when you're like, oh, that's not yeah, my problem anymore. <laughs> I knitted it all it day. Nice. <laughs> so anyway, can I get a motion for um, uh, adjournment? All motion. A second. I will second it. All in favor? Aye. 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 Motion passes.